Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and I am welcoming back uh, a returning guest. Welcome back to the book club, Alan Fisher. Hello, Alan. Hello, Eamon. Thank you. How are you doing? So you were on episode 90, Absalom, Ghosts of London, the first volume of Absalom. Yes. In the meantime, before we get to today's book, any sort of recent news or acquisitions from 2000 AD that's been inspiring you? I know you've recently moved across the country, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we sold up in LA, having been there nearly 20 years, and um, we bought 10 acres of... Uh, beautiful land in southern Illinois. I mean, my idea of Illinois has always been that it was Chicago, but um, apparently not. We were just looking, Susie, my wife and I, we were just looking for somewhere where we could sort of homestead, grow our own food, all that kind of thing, which which just seems like genius now, you know. But, yes, but, but, <laughs> everybody, but everybody time, wants to be doing it. Yeah, but at the time it was just, you know, we, it's something we talked about, for, I guess, for a decade and, uh, when our son was very young, too young, you know, to to leave him anywhere, he's still in in LA, but um, gone to college and what have you. But yeah, it's uh, social distancing is just how we live these days. You know, we've got we've got few neighbours. Susie jokes that we're forty minutes away from a pint of milk, and I I'm always thinking, yeah, but how far are we from a pint of beer? But <laughs> that's just me. So yeah, but um, uh, recent 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 acquisitions. I've been getting the specials. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, they've been good. I I was very much looking forward to the to the action one. I, I remember Hellman very very clearly. Um, yeah, did you the, enjoy a bit of Garth Ennis and Mike Dory on Hellman? I did very much. Yeah, yeah, and. I I I have ordered Kingmaker and uh, Machine Law. I'm waiting waiting for those to arrive, and I've actually been buying the prog digitally the last few weeks, basically just to read that Hershey story. Oh yes, yes. You know that that looked great. What I saw of it, and it's like, when's that going to be collected? You know, as someone who doesn't get the the prog every week, and you know, and I just had no idea when it might be out. So I've been buying that and. I don't really read stuff on my computer, so it's a bit odd. But you know, and and I, I liked um, what is he called? Noam Chimpsky. That's, yes, that's that's a good one. Yeah, we all love Noam Chimpsky. Yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with him actually. You know, so um, yeah, that's that that that's pretty good. And the ongoing mystery of who Kenneth Neiman is, or maybe he's just Kenneth Neiman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Alan. Let's turn you to today's book. What have you chosen to come back on the book club with? I have chosen to come back with Absalom, Terminal Diagnosis, which is the third and final Absalom book. When we did the first podcast, I was hoping we might also do Under a False Flag, but I guess we spent enough time, <laughs> spent quite enough time talking about Ghosts of London, so we never quite got to it, but... Um, Yes, we've sort of jumped to volume because obviously this came out last year. Um, So Absalom Volume 3, Terminal Diagnosis, obviously by Gordon Rennie writing, Turn and Trevelyan artwork, letters by the late, great Ellie DeVille, uh, editor Matt Smith. This is from Progs 2053 to 2060, 2136 to 2143. So that's 2017 and then right up to last year 2019 
And I've got the 2019 Rebellion trade in front of me. Is that what you've got as well? Yes, yeah. yes. And before we get into it, should we just put, judge a book by its cover? Because we've got the cover for Prog 2136, uh, which is old Harry Absalom sitting in his deck chair with his knotted hanky on his head. Yeah, that's a nice touch. It is lovely, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And what I always liked about all the Absalom covers that uh, Tiernan and Trevelyan did was that they always did this thing where they'd have what seemed like normal life at the top half of the of the image, and at the bottom is the sort of dark undercurrents or demonics or the hell. Yeah. And so here his deck chair is resting on a sort of pile of skulls and rib cages. So and beer, beer, yes, beer cans. <laughs> So, um, obviously, you know, you're a fan of Absalom, uh, and we've come back to do the sort of uh, the end of Absalom. Was there a particular reason why you, you know, particularly wanted to talk about terminal diagnosis and the end of the story? Just, I mean, really, I was a a bit concerned, I think, that they wouldn't stick the landing. But to my mind, they did. I, you know, I, I, I read it again last night in preparation for this, and and I know from from what you were telling me that some of some of the fans thought it was a little bit rushed, but it's really not. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's Critch's backstory. There's flashbacks. That whole that whole sequence where Harry's on the beach with the kids, but he's not really. That that threw me when I first read it. But actually, I think that's the point. I think. You know, it's supposed to make you disoriented in the way that Harry is, you know. So I, th- I think that was actually genius. Yeah, <laughs> that, it is. That bit. And, and the, the mayhem that's on the, the next page with Mr. Critch saying, you know, we're, we're not going to win the day. <laughs> Please wake up. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic, isn't it? Okay, let's do a quick recap. Um, In case anybody hasn't listened to episode 90, which was um, Absalom Ghosts of London, just fill us in quickly. Catch us up. Who's Harry Absalom? What's what's the deal? What's he uh, trying to do in this volume three? He is Detective Inspector Harry Absalom. He heads up a very special uh, division of the police that hunts down um, demons um, that there's something called the accord that exists between hell and humanity, whereby um, certain demons and what have you are allowed to, allowed to live amongst us, posing as actual people, usually aristocrats, and that they, they have this, like I say, they have this thing called the accord that they're both supposed to stick to, but really don't. And in this volume, he, he had the, to keep Harry in check. They've done two things: the powers that be. Um, they've given him a cancer that's not supposed to kill him and they've, they've abducted his grandchildren and he gets a photo every year of the grandkids getting older and older with all these various demons and um, he's, he's actually found out now where the grandkids are being held so he spends a lot of the second volume uh, assembling a team to go in and, and try and rescue the grandkids from this place called the Mills that's the family seat of the Rathbone family, who are the original aristocratic family who struck the struck the deal with hell. So yeah, it's all about him trying to get his grandkids back. 
Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I like that because Ghosts of London, it's like, as you say, he's occult police chasing down demons. And there's this, you, we're sort of aware there's a backstory to do with his grandchildren in the first volume. But it's not the sort of main, or doesn't seem at that time to be the main driver for him. But as you say, but volume two, Under a False Flag, is when we realise that he's putting, a, he's basically he's recruiting a team or he's building an army to take into the satanic mills. I, I, I presume it is, you know, it's yeah. a riff on the dark satanic mills, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it must be, yeah, it must be. So he picks up, I mean, he's got the two detective sergeants working with him. Uh, he's got his sort of um, sign interpretator. And then he gets two great characters. One who was introduced in Volume 1, of course, was his previous governor, who's only known as the governor throughout. Yeah. Well, he's called Charlie, isn't he? Is he? he? Oh, right. He goes to retrieve uh, Jeffrey from that... Um, well, whatever she is, yes. <laughs> and, uh, she calls him Charlie, and he he, he corrects her. All oh, right, <laughs> the governor, yeah. And then, of course, there's this other great character from Volume Two, Daniel, the sort of uh, church-trained parkour ninja demon killer, young kid who's great stuff, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's yeah he's a he's a terrific character. He's really cool too, isn't he? You know, he's. There's there's bits of him with you know like he's trundling along in one part in that big armored car with all the homunculi and Harry and he's just sat there reading a book and that's <laughs> you know, yeah so he's he's a he's a great character yeah I think we mentioned it last time because in volume two we see him I think we see him in between missions he's like just playing video games and on the wall of his room he had a, a dread poster from the movie didn't he. He did, yeah. yeah. And there's also that wonderful interlude where him and Harry have a chat and a bag of chips in the park by the pond. Oh, dog. yeah. <laughs> that bit with, I think we talked about that last time, the bit with the dog. Yes, we did. I'm sure we yeah. did. Yeah, it's a great moment. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to Volume 3, Terminal Diagnosis. And it's even more clear, as you say, in this one, that he is basically, he's going into the mills to get the grandkids back. Um he realises his own time is running out. The uh, the sort of dark, cancer-riddled, ghostly uh, sort of image of himself that he keeps seeing and chatting with is telling him that time's running out uh, and it's time to go in. It sounds it sounds it sounds, it reads to me a bit more like it's actually the humans who are deciding it's his time to go, not you know, not the the denizens of hell it sounds like it's the stylite club that have decided you know because they they when 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 the team from hell come to visit the stylite club and they say you know an old employee is is no longer passing muster and has to go and they're they're saying well yeah don't worry about absalom he'll be gone in a couple of months and they're saying no no you misunderstand and they're talking about critch you know they want to try and get rid of critch critch is a great character too yeah, just describe Critch for anybody who doesn't know him. Critch is has been around since the 1800s, and he's been such a good servant to the Rathbones that they've just kept upgrading him. And he's, he, he looks like he's made from dried wood or he's mummified, and he has all these clockwork bits. He's mostly clockwork at this point, I think. And he's a fantastic-looking character. All, all Tien and Trevelyan's character designs are wonderful. They are indeed, yes. I mean, the characters of uh, Harry's little army 
are fantastic. The the sort of like, as you say, the denizens of hell or the denizens of the satanic mills that they go up against are wonderful as well. There's some sort of Lovecraftian horrors mm. in there as well as these TikTok men or clockwork creatures that they go up against. Yeah, and, and Daniel is not a big fan of the TikTok men. No, he doesn't like them at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thankfully, he's pretty good at dispatching them as well. Let's. I mean, before we get to Gordon Rennie's writing, let's talk a little bit more about Tiernan and Trevelyan. I mean, we loved this sort of what would you call it, black and white and grey scale that we saw in Ghosts of London, but it gets yeah. even better with each volume, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, it, it really does. I mean, he's he's brilliant in the first volume, but this one is just just terrific. Yeah. It gets more detailed. It gets more. I think you know. He, I, it looks like he's had more time to fill in lots of background detail in the grey wash that he uses, or however he does it. But it's all beautifully done, and just the characters, as you say, look lovely. The action sequences are great. There's a couple of splash page images of the two sort of armies getting ready for the final. Um, confrontation i guess because this book contains sort of two distinct stories and then in the middle there's that oh no as you say the 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 beach seaside one happens at the start of the second story doesn't it yeah i think so yeah little interlude where he's uh he's dreaming that's that's the very start of terminal diagnosis part two yes so the bits i'm referring to the end of terminal diagnosis part one you get these two images of the two armies sort of like stacked up um, yeah. the confrontation to come uh, Harry and his army is great fun but yeah beautiful work by Tiernan throughout oh yeah yeah just really really good really good and he um, I, I, I googled him a while ago and he, he's, he's drawn a Hellboy story for Dark Horse has he? Which, which also looks fantastic so it's I think it's a Hellboy and BPRD and I, I, I do like a bit of Hellboy so yeah, I should, oh, I should be looking for that. I mean, I, I hope he does. I, I like I like the English guys who go to like Dark Horse. I mean, I've got nothing against the guys going in any money at DC by any means, but the Dark Horse stuff is a bit is, is, is just a bit more interesting. And is that Hellboy story out? Do you know already? I think so. I think so. I think again, I'm you know I'm I'm a bugger for buying the trades. I don't really buy the. The comics, I can't. I can't really buy the comics anymore. Actually, you know. But um, yeah. So I, I guess I'll because because Mick McMahon drew one too a while ago, oh. and I've never been able to tr- never been able to find that. But that one also looks fantastic. I should have to track those down. Yeah, I mean that's what the internet's for, right? Yeah, it is exactly. Yes, <laughs> our instant gratification. Somebody tells us about something, we say, "Yep, I'm going to go and get that." Yeah, make a note of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, this 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 show has has seen me buy a good few books, actually. Oh right, but, uh, okay. People yeah, do tell not, me that. Not of late though, because work has kind of dried up. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure once the world starts again, I'll be I'll be getting you know like Alice in Sunderland and what was that other one? Oh, Screamer. Yeah, I'll Screamer, be picking them. Yes. Okay, Alan. So we've talked a little bit about Tiernan's art. We're going to come back to it because I particularly want to mention the covers that he did. But let's turn turn to Gordon Rennie, uh, who, as we said in the last episode, incredibly prolific for 2000 AD. Isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, as often talked about 
walking away, but thankfully has always come back. Currently, he's in the prog with Survival Geeks and Aquila, I believe, at the moment, yeah. as, as we record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here he is. I'm going to read you. This is from the introduction he wrote for Volume 2, Under a False Flag, uh, March oh, yeah. 2017, Gordon Rennie. And he writes, I'm a great believer these days in characters having finite story arcs. When their arc's complete, their story is done. Comic publishers, depending on the bread and butter of never-ending adventures of rarely evolving popular characters, may have differing opinions here. So, this we sort of knew when we talked last time, we sort of knew that Absalom was going to wrap up. And I don't think we're doing too much in a way of spoilers for a book called Terminal Diagnosis if we say that um, Harry's days are numbered, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually that um, that introduction's great. I particularly uh, like the um, as I write this, the esteemable Tin and Trevelyan and I are working on the third and final chapter of Harry's story. So there you go. He's telling you. Yes. I'll miss the shambling old wreck when he's gone. Harry, that is not Tiernan, who hopefully is going nowhere anytime soon. But if I ever need to revisit some knackered old misanthrope who habitually replaces empathy with perennial sarcasm, well, there's always the bathroom mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just great. And he, Gordon Rennie's Scottish, isn't he? He is, yes. Because the, the, the southern dialogue in this is just great, you know? I don't, I don't know if he spent a lot of time watching the Sweeney as I did as a kid, but... Um, it feels you know, like he did in this, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels it, like he liked the Sweeney and Minder and programmes like that, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's references to stuff like that, isn't there? But, you know, I was, I was thinking about they keep calling their heads their napper and stuff, you know, and it's like... And there's just... I mean, throughout, there's just... The dialogue's fantastic, there's a there's a bit where I think when when the the two detectives and Critch and Barney are trying to get away from that what is it called a miasma or something that's that's coming after Critch and yes what what does he say oh look it's the seventh cavalry come after everyone's been scalped and hung up on cactus or something it's it's just great and there's a there's a bit about <laughs> Jeremy Beadle's grave. And the, the two the two tourists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good moment as well. Yes, and he also introduces. I mean, we talked about Tiernan's character designs. He introduces the uh, the elderly brother and sister, Do- uh, Dolly and is it Cecil? Cecil. Yeah. Yes, who can control Harry's homunculi? They're on the good. They're on the good guy's side, thankfully. And so they're mm. part of the army as well. They're great characters. That that lends weight to the argument that it's not rushed i mean he, he you know he introduces those those two and they're they're great characters too and the the character designs outstanding but that's um yeah that's that there's there's then there's a few things that you know we find out who uh jemima is reporting to that's a nice that's a nice bit too yeah because she's she's just flat out stopped reporting on Harry. She's she's in, isn't she? She's just yes. She was put in there to spy on Harry, but she I think she gave up on that at the end of book one. She's fully on board. She's part of Harry's gang, isn't she? Yeah, she is totally. Thank goodness as well. So Gordon Reddy, it's lovely stuff. I mean, you know, great writing, great dialogue for Harry because he must be one of the most satisfying 
comic characters to write because he gets all the best lines, doesn't he? He does. He, he does. He's a you know he's a wonder for um, a little throwaway line or an insult, but he's you know he's absolutely you know that Harry's you know he's the good guy. He's the guy. His heart is in the right place, but his lines, the way he talk, talks to people, is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. I mean, he's he's very um, he's very pr- protective of his team too. There's a bit where uh, where he mentions to J- Jemima that he knows she's moved in with Terence and she's she's like all apologetic and well, we were going to tell you, and he, he's like, yeah, it's it's like I'm a bleeding detective or something, you know. <laughs> and, but he he tells her, you know, anyone gives you any trouble, you just put me onto him. I'll sort him out. So he's he's very um, yeah, he's very much the good guy. The confrontation he has with his dark self later on in part two, in that when she, the, his sort of his ghostly image is dressed as a nurse, and he punches it and says, "Well, I've had it with you, sunshine." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's great stuff. Of course, now here's the question I was going to ask you about: Do you like a comic arc like Gordon Rennie says that has a finite end that's going to come to an end of a story? We are used to, you know, ongoing characters. Uh, Dread being in virtually every prog of 2000 AD and, you know, carrying on whatever. Do you like when they wrap up a story and it finishes? I do. I do. I'm a big fan of not having characters outstay their welcome. They, you know, they, they go out on a on a high, you know, it's that... Um, it's that, I think it's that faulty towers model of two two series and you're done kind of thing, you know. It's um, and I, I actually I actually worked at Warner Brothers Consumer Products and I was on the DC Comics team, um, and uh, you know we I used to get the comics and I think in, even in the time that I was there there were like three major reboots. And it's just, you know, the characters are the same age all the time. Sometimes they die. They always come back. You know, they're constantly, constantly rebooting. And that's, that just gets so old. Yes. Because the point I made in our outline was that, you know, some of these big comic intellectual properties like Batman, Superman, Captain America, Spider-Man, they have to carry on. They have to keep going for, um, amongst other things, American copyright reasons, I believe. But, yeah, yeah. you know, so they're forever the same in a way. I mean, they do kill them off from time to time, but they inevitably come back or somebody else will put on the costume for a while and then Steve Rogers will come back and be the captain again. But, yeah. you know, British comics, we've always had this anthology idea. So you could have some series that are continuing, but some series where they're going to wrap it up. It's going to be a finite story like Absalom. I just wondered if that's something that, you know, is particularly special that 2000 AD can do as a long-running comic with so many different strips. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot that 2000 AD does that's special. I mean, it's it's just a great it's a great comic. The, you know, my my American friends have have nothing in that, you know, from being boys that that had the impact that 2000 AD had with us, you know. You know, we had this thing that come along that didn't talk down to us, didn't really pull its punches. I mean, we're all, <laughs> well, I don't know about all, but certainly a lot of 2000 AD fans that I've met are are usually really nice, funny, educated, atheistic, 
<laughs> labor vote, labor voting. You know, I mean, there's there's something in the water there. I think you know. So, <laughs> um, and it, it's you know, this the, even even going back to you know action. I remember there was a there was, there was a Hellman story where Hellman was working on he's working on the tank and on his tank and he's got his tunic off and two two lower ranked officers or something come along and they're, they're being very dismissive of Hellman and of his men and then Hellman puts on his tunic and, and they change their tune and I, I think from that I got never assume and be aware of all the facts before you say anything you know and I'm, I'm, I'm probably like eight at the time you know and it's only it's only now when I think about it that I realize you know that was going on and and there's a lot of stuff in 2000 AD early on that's like that, you know. It's, it, I don't know, it's, did, would you agree? I mean, it's it's just... Well, I just think, I mean, I, like I say, I do think having the anthology format, which is, you know, uh, I mean, obviously there are American anthology comics, but there's not that many of them, whereas we've always had anthologies. We've had lots of different strips, and I just think that gives you the perfect opportunity to introduce something like Absalom, which becomes a fan favourite, but to actually, you know, always have the intention, this is going to be a complete story. It's going to wrap up. Um, yeah. And pretty much wrapped up, you know, what, in the last 10 years or so, um, that it's come and now gone. So, yeah, I just think it's it's something special that 2000 AD does. And that Gordon Rennie, like he says, he likes an ending, and here he's written an ending for Harry Absalom and the team, did you find it satisfying at the end? I mean, let's get to part two. Did you find that a satisfying conclusion for dear old Harry? I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to see him go, but yeah, it's yeah, I, I did. I really liked it. I've, I've I've liked it a little bit more every time I reread it, and and to be able to be able to read the all three of them now, you know, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Classic story structure, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes. A story, yes, three volumes, beginning, middle, and end. And here it is, we have the end. And um, as I said, I sort of intimated to you in my outline notes, I was one of the ones who thought that the last issue was felt a bit, perhaps a bit rushed. But reading it this second time in collection, actually I was fine with it. I thought it worked perfectly. And, yeah. I, you know, I mean try not to spoil too much about the last page, but the way the last page zooms in on Harry's face is just marvellous. And then we turn the page and there he is in his deck chair. That just, you know, I thought that was wonderful. That's interesting too, though, isn't it? Because if you, we, we've all bought into this idea that there's a hell, right? Yeah. So we're, we're all on board with that. If there's a hell, then there's a heaven. And I think that shot of Harry on his deck chair is Harry in heaven. So it's actually got it's got an happy ending, you know. Harry's Harry's fine. He's he's on the beach. He's got his he's got his loud shirt on. He's, yes, yeah. He's got his holiday shirt on and his horrible British shorts and his horrible British legs. And <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's fantastic. I you know I do like. I agree. I like a story that ends. I do. You know, I talk about some other American comics, Sandman, which I'm a big fan of, which did have an ending. Um, you know, that was a finite run. A couple of other comics, I mean, I like, obviously, Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing. And I always felt that, from my point of view, that Swamp Thing ended at the end of that run. Yeah. 
and I'm going to be, I don't know if it'll be out by the time, I think it'll probably be out before this, but I'm going to be on Te- Tony Esmond's podcast talking about Daredevil Born Again, which always seemed oh, like, uh, you know. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. I've got that one, actually. Oh, that's, that's one of the very few Marvel books I've got. Right. And it always felt to me like that was an ending in a sort of yeah. Daredevil, you know, because, but obviously, you know, next issue he carried on put the red tights back on again but there you go but yeah, yeah. 2000 AD can do it uh Gordon Rennie and Tin and Trevelyan can do it and uh what a marvelous sort of outing and final installment for the Harry Absalom story yeah yeah I mean um Killing Joke has a bit of an ending too doesn't it you know that that would have been a nice there you go Batman Joke had done yes <laughs> exactly yes yeah. If we believe the uh, the Grant Morrison interpretation, yeah, it's very interesting, yeah. isn't it? You you read that again now, because of course Brian Bolland recently been on the Thrill Cast talking about you know recently doing a recolored version of it, not all that long ago in the last few years, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you know you look at the ending of that and think, well, right, okay, let's read it with Grant Morrison's eyes for a minute. Um, interesting. I don't know the Grant Morrison thing. Well, Grant Morrison did an interview uh, with Kevin Smith on his Fat Man on Batman podcast. And basically, Grant Morrison said, I can't understand why anybody doesn't realise that at the end of The Killing Joke, Batman kills the Joker. Right, right. So that when they're laughing together and you see, I think you see Batman's hand on the on the Joker's shoulder and the uh, the camera, as it were, Bolland's artwork pulls away to raindrops in puddles like it started the book, I think. Right. And so Grant Morrison's interpretation of Alan Moore's script is that at that point, Batman snaps the Joker's neck. Ah, oh, okay. So it becomes the killing joke, as it were. Um, right, right. But right, right, right. It, you know, it was controversial at the time. Some people bought into that. Some people didn't buy into it. But it makes you read it again and think, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I see that. Yeah, but yeah. Because yeah. the killing joke's the Joker, isn't it? He's the he's the joke that kills. He is. Yes. I love all these. Uh, I mean, do you think the Americans know that Killing Joke was a band? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess some do. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. Were there any other comic book endings that you particularly liked or enjoyed that you can think of? Particularly, you know, from 2000 AD or elsewhere. I I still to this day have not read the death of Johnny Alpha. Oh right, I'm not at all. I'm not at all fond of that. Um, not on board for that idea. No, Hachette sent it me too, and I uh, I started reading it. I thought, nope, not not doing it. I yeah, I the 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 new Dead Wardians that Dan Abnett and uh, Ian Colbard did. That was good. That oh, was right. a that was like one and done. Also, they did Wild's End, and that was that was three volumes, and that was a beginning, middle, and end. That that's that's great, Wild's End. I don't know if you read that. That's um, I think I got that on the iPad. I, I'm re- it is open on the iPad. I think in Comicsology um, that I bought that after talking to you last time. I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Wind in the Willows meets uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yes, yeah, and. Um, I actually thought Scarlet Traces was done until it came back in 2000 AD, but um, yes, well, I'm just looking at my shelves now. There's, the Hellboy seems to have been done. You know, Hellboy did. I mean, 
Mike Minola killed him off and then he was in hell for two volumes and I thought that was supposed to be it. But um, those, those, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. Okay. I mean, Nikolai Dante wrapped up in 2000 AD. That went, uh, I think, was beautiful. We've talked about a few one-and-done stories like Cradle Grave or I suppose even Rogue Trooper Cinema, things like that. Yeah. They were good. I suppose... I mean, I'm just thinking about Alan Moore because obviously DR and Quinch and Halo Jones never ended really. They just there's yeah. just no more of them. Yeah. Okay. V for, v for Vendetta, I suppose that wrapped up and ended, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That I haven't read that. I haven't reread really that for a while, but yeah, I think I re- I think I I think I wasn't quite sure about that when I first read it, but um, yeah. Okay. Let's turn you back to. Absalom, Terminal Diagnosis, Volume 3, and the whole of Absalom's run. You know, is there a particular favourite volume of the three or a favourite story of them that you like? I think Terminal Diagnosis is actually my favourite now. I mean, they're all all terrific, but I think Terminal Diagnosis, and it's all great. I mean, I still do like that dirty postcard storyline. That's just, there's, there's something about that that's really, really... So Good. that was a one-and-done or a one-off story that appeared in the 2013 Christmas prog, and it starts volume two, Dirty Postcards, uh, yeah. where they're investigating some strange disappearances at a seaside resort. Uh, and that's a fantastic little creepy story, very sort of very dark and nasty in there. Um, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's where, I think that's where Crick actually gives Harry the location of his grandkids yes so so it, you know it, it it does that for the story you know so it does move it along as well at the same time yeah yeah and they're they're at they're there specifically to meet crit i think but harry of course knows that that creepy photographer is there yeah so i i mean i love the fact that i've got literally on my desk right in front of me i've got three slim volumes of absalom I think it's a real sort of triumph that they have the same team throughout. You know, oh, yeah. Because it wouldn't yeah. feel the same without Tin and Trevelyan's art, in a way. Um, no. And then, you know, they're, they're, they're beautiful things. The covers are fantastic. And his artwork, which starts out glorious and just gets better and better as it progresses. So I think, I, I think like you, I think the, the third volume, Terminal Diagnosis, is probably my favourite. Um and I, that's the one I would pick for my desert island. But the whole the whole story is just fantastic. And Harry Absalom, what a character! Yeah, I think. Um, I, I mean, that, I think someone said recently they don't really do it, but you know, like an absolute edition, the the, the absolution edition of Absalom. Yes. In a, in a nice hardback leather bound, you know, I'd buy that. Maybe it's, I don't know if that's planned for the Ultimate Collection uh, that you're still getting, but I'm not. But whether they're planning a volume for Absalom at some point. We were talking about the Kabbalistics collections because the first one is on its way to you, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, you know, like like we said, they they did complete Kabbalistics last year, I think. They came back and finished it. So, yeah, I mean, they the, the Ultimate Collection is... is has been great for the most part, but like they they split. Um, what's the Max Bubba Strontium dog? Rage. What's that? Rage. They split Rage. Oh, they, they had. Yeah, they 
the start of the volume was like a, a few filler stories and then the first half of Rage and then Rage was continued in another volume. And it's like, that's enough to do one volume. Why not just have, I don't know, whatever. Okay. But as we say, Harry wrapped up in Prog 2143, but there was a follow-on story in the Christmas Prog from 2162, just, just last Christmas, um, which carried on with two of the characters, notably Daniel and uh, I think she's become Detective Inspector Jemima Hopkins. Uh, is she Hopkins or Hopkirk? I can't remember. Hopkins, I think, <laughs> Hopkins. yeah. So, you know, they've moved on. And Daniel has just graduated from police college and he's taken on the surname because he doesn't have a surname. So he's taken on the surname of Harrison or Harry's son, which I thought was lovely touch. Yeah, nice. So that was beautiful. And that was Tian and Trevelyan as well. And the other thing that that also featured in the Christmas prog uh, after that story was a full page ad for something it says is coming in 2020. Gordon Rennie and Dom Reardon writing and drawing a story called Diabolic or Diabolic, which, as far as I can tell, may be set in the Kabbalistics universe. Mm. Um, I don't know anything more about it, but that's something. And Dom Reardon, of course, was on Kabbalistics, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Have you read Kabbalistics? I have, but not for ages. Not for ages. I need to reread it again. Maybe somebody will pick it on the pro on the uh, the podcast. Yeah, it's because... Um, I think we said last time Harry Harry starts off in that, doesn't he? he? Does that's where the character comes from? Yeah, yeah. Is he in it very much? No, I don't think so. From my remembrance, yeah. Well, because I having read the first volume of Absalom, I went back and looked, and he's not in it a great deal. So um, fortunately, they expanded the character. Um, I think even possibly changed the spelling of his name slightly and brought him into this series, which is just glorious stuff. Yeah, he really is. So maybe Diabolics or Diabolics coming soon from Gordon Rennie and Dom Reardon. Looking forward to that. I guess as it was advertised in the prog, it's going to be in the prog at some point. Uh, maybe by the time this is uh, this episode comes out, we'll know a bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's turn back to the artwork and play Grail pages and Grail covers. I'm going to allow you um, a cover and a page from Volume 3, Terminal Diagnosis. Have you got any uh, suggestions or picks for those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the cover the cover I would want is is page 96. It's Harry walking away, giving you the Vs. So this was the cover for Prog 2143, and it is just glorious. It's a very single, solitary image, that ratty old overcoat of Harry... (laughs) And he's walking away from the camera, just flicking us the Vs as he goes. And it is just a glorious image. And it was a, you know, it appeared on the, the, the prog that his last, uh, his last appearance was in. What a fantastic cover. So, yeah, we'll give you that, grant you that. I thought that might be the one. Um, <laughs> wh- I, while we're talking covers, I, it, as you've picked that one, I'll take prog 2136, which is the cover of this. Uh, this volume with Harry on his deck chair sitting on this sort of raft of skulls and beer cans so I'll take that one um, because I thought you'd probably go for (laughs) 2143 which is lovely what about an internal page to hang on the wall as well well you kind of mentioned it I think it'd be I think it'd be 
perhaps 41 and 42 just to have them side by side oh right these are the sort of this is the end of terminal diagnosis part one and it is the two it's the good and bad basically it's harry's army versus the rathborns the setting the scene for what's to come in the part two yeah and it's also harry you know doing for the starlight club yeah and there's a there's a guy burning falling from. The, I've just noticed. Yes, there is. As he walks out of the burning building, right, that's that sorted. And then <laughs> then you get the uh, the large panel of the army that he's assembled, including you know the, the his two detective sergeants and Daniel, Dolly and Cecil, the homunculi, the governor with Jeffrey, and Mister Critch, and then. Harry, with his back to us, talking to them, who's up for going guns and Navarone against those hell bastards? So, <laughs> fantastic. So we'll give you pages 41 and 42 from this trade collection, as your grail pages, and as ever, I will post those on the various socials when this episode comes out so people can see what we're talking about. Um, as you've chosen those, I'm going to dart back to page 17 of this collection, which is the Lovecraftian horror of the miasmic chasing yeah, yeah. the car that Mr. Critch is in. Yeah. Uh, I do apologise, detectives. I'm afraid this is going to be quite unpleasant for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess Terence is saying, sudden, Harry, absolutely. <laughs> so I'll take that page just because if it's sort of like, I'm not sure I'd be able to hang it on the wall because it's a bit gruesome, but it is, uh, it is lovely. Uh, and as yeah. ever, as I say, I'll post all these pictures so people know what we're talking about. Um, it would be lovely to own some of this art because I think you said last time he's digital, isn't he? I don't really know, but I suspect so. Right. I just so I suspect this is all. I can't imagine this is this is traditional. Yeah, I haven't seen any pages of his. Uh, certainly not for Harry Absalom, anyway. And I shall have to check out what he's done with Hellboy and BPRD because, like yourself, I do like a little bit of Hellboy and the BPRD from time to time. So, yeah, yeah, splendid. So, Absalom Terminal Diagnosis twelve ninety nine or nine ninety nine digitally, and all I think we could say about it, Alan, is get it, get all three volumes. Yeah, what a bargain twelve ninety nine. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, they're not. They're not huge reads, so you're not embarking on an epic, but it is a wonderfully satisfying beginning, middle and end. And one of the best things that 2000 AD has done in the last 10 years, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to add about it, Alan? No, I just, you know, keep praise on it. It's just it's just amazing. It is just lovely. It just, I'm just flicking through it now and just, just the character designs. And then there's that... There's that lovely cover from 2059 that's like they're trying to coax Emil down from, but it's from Emil's point of view, whereas in the book it's from Harry's point of view. And that's that, it's just so nice. It's all so good. I'm looking at that now, and of course, you've got Harry dangling a little kitten from a sack as the sort of bait for the Rathborn character, Emil. <laughs> And beautiful lighting in that alleyway as well that Tim yeah. Trevelyan has done. Yeah. And then opposite it, we've got Prog 2054, which is Harry with his battered phone taking a sort of selfie of himself and uh, his corrupted dark image partner, as it were, or opposite. So that's wonderful as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, when you get to draw a character like Harry, I guess you do the close-ups on his face, and it's always warts and all, and his uh, those big paws he has on his nose and everything, isn't it? 
Were they were they were they in colour in the prog or in the prog? I think that cover was in that cover was in colour. We've got obviously the black and white grey scale here, haven't we? Mm. I shall have to look, and I will post them. I shall post the original covers as well when we go, as we go along with this episode. It is just lovely. It is you know it is a complete thing, um, very satisfying, a great story, and I think I've reconsidered my opinion about the last issue. I think actually it does fit perfectly, and gives Harry the send off that he deserves. And you know. Spoiler alert, but it gets the grandkids back. Yep. <laughs> As we said, we've hinted it has a happy ending. <laughs> Unaged, though. That's. Yeah. Not, yeah. They haven't aged while they've been in the satanic mills. There's something weird has been going on, but he gets them back, thank goodness. Yeah. So, Alan, last time you were on, we were talking about Tweet Ahead and the possibility of 2018 maquettes coming out. Are you still working with them? I am, but not on that. Oh, it, right. It, I don't know. The The money was in place to develop the line, and then Trump, in his infinite wisdom, brought in the China tariff, and Tweet Ahead were paying, you know, 12 and 14 grand a time just to bring their DC line in. And it, it kind of did for the budget. No. And, yeah, there's nobody, there's nobody more gutted about it than me. And... He, um, I, I mean, I, I've, I've been told we'll we'll revisit it, but, you know, don't hold your breath. Oh, dear. So another reason for us to dislike Trump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do we need any more? Yeah, I was going to say, we don't need many more, but he's, if he's interfered with a... Uh, he probably got no idea what 2008 is, you know, but... <laughs> no, it's... it's, it's but, it, it, you know, he, he, he said that China would pay the tariffs, and that, that that's just ridiculous. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, like Diamond, with all this now, it looks like Diamond are going under the distributors. So I know I know that they owe Tweethead a lot of money that they're not going to be paying them back. So It's a very strange time for the comics industry and the allied industries as well, isn't it? I mean, I'm, you know, it goes without saying almost, but it does seem very weird. And, you know, as I was talking to Keith Richardson from Rebellion, whether or not there'll be a, an industry to come back after this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's here here where we are, you know, it's 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 kind of a depressed area and there are businesses that are that are really only barely hanging on as it is and, and now they're closed, they're shuttered up, they're not gonna open again. You know, that's that's just the fact of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, we all know small independent comic stock sh- uh, shops around the place that we, you know, we're worried about. I saw even Forbidden Planet, Forbidden Planet in New York, was putting out an appeal or a GoFundMe or something like that because they were in trouble. So yeah, the small mom and pop comic shops, uh, terrible times for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I recently bought some stuff online from uh, the little niche comic book and bookstore in Huntingdon where uh, Gary Hill and I recorded an episode last summer, you know, because they're they're online. They're obviously trying to sell stuff online and they're posting and so on, trying to keep going. And all these little shops, I just, you know, just hope that they manage to get out of this at the end of all uh, the lockdown. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I'm a graphic designer by trade and I, I have been of the opinion for a very long time that there's absolutely no reason I need to go into an office, you know, and I have, I have been (laughs) as, 
as rural as this area is, we actually have fiber optic internet, which was like such a surprise. So, but, you know, working from home and, and lots of the people I still know at Warner Brothers are, are, um, are working from home. And it's like, you know, my commute got up to be about 90 minutes each way to do like under 30 miles when I lived in, in LA. And it, that's nuts. You know, we've we've got the pollution levels are down. We've got phosphorescence on the oceans again. I mean, it's just we it, it, for the planet. It's actually a bit of a boon, I think, as all being locked in. But yeah, it's just I, I don't know. Just I don't know. We'll we'll see when when the world starts up again. We'll see. But I know a few people are like, well, why do I have to get in my car and drive for hours a day to go to an office just to just to be in meetings I can now do by Zoom and do do jobs I can do with a good internet connection, you know? So, yeah, it will change all the patterns of working as well. Um, not not for you, obviously. You can't you can't get get a video call and have people stick their tongue out and stuff. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, we are doing some of that at the moment. Actually, we are we are doing video consultations. Yeah. Yeah. It's brought that on us much quicker than we planned it to. But, uh, yeah, we're doing that sort of stuff. But I'm still commuting to work at the moment. Haven't been able to work from home as yet. So we'll see. Strange times. This is uh, early May when we record. This episode will be out towards the middle end of June. So who knows what what would have changed by then, Alan. And I, I know, I mean, I mentioned earlier about the importance of American comics keep publishing just to maintain their copyright on the characters. I, I know, as you say, Diamond are not shipping, but presumably the digital comics are still coming out. The digital monthlies, I guess, are still on Comixology, I would have thought. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't uh, really. I, I, I buy all my stuff from 2000 AD. I mean, all those years working on the DC stuff, I, I quite a while ago just stop reading pretty much everything i read a bit of i read i, I do like hellboy and i, I you know i'll I, I follow some of the 2080 guys to other thing i did like i say i did buy and read wild's end but yeah it's gonna be well interesting times well i'm gonna hasten to comicsology and look for turn and trevelyan on hellboy because um, that sounds very enticing i shall see if i can get that and at least give Dark Horse some digital money as well. Yeah, he, he, he would seem to be a great fit for that, I would have thought. There's a few 2080 artists who'd be great for that, and, and of course he's one of them, as you say, and this sort of like demonic stuff that we've seen in Absalom that he does so well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to look for that one, and I shall probably post a link to that as well when this episode comes out, um, because we like to support the 2080 guys when they go elsewhere and do their own works. We do. So, Alan, anything else to report in guest projects? We have a homestead we're building. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're probably fairly busy on 10 acres, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, we got some bees this week. Susie ordered some bees a while ago, and we picked those up, and they're up by the pond. We've had to – we've had to um, – we're putting in – vegetables and we've we, we've we first had to build a deer proof fence all around it and we got a couple of apple trees that have got net you know big metal things around them to protect them from the deer but we we haven't since we started clearing the land we haven't seen the deer like we were doing but we have deer we have rabbits we have moles voles you've got wild's end and you're on your <laughs> 
<laughs> on your homestead. Yeah, we've we've got a couple of water snakes up at the pond, which I wasn't too happy about because I absolutely hate snakes. I give I, I I it's so funny now. We walk up there and 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 Susie walks along sort sort of walks along the water's edge, and I'm like ten feet away from walk, giving giving the area where the snakes are a really wide berth because <laughs> I do not like snakes, but um. They they sort of scurry away when we approach, which which I think is a good sign because the um what are they called the diamond heads or copper oh, heads? Yes, or, yeah, uh, they're, they're poisonous and they they go for you. And we have we have turtles too. We have um, not that they're going to be eating the vegetables. I don't think, but um, yeah, well that that's 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 our life right now. Okay, and as you say, social distancing has not become a problem because you're out in the middle of. Uh, the no world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds great, Alan. Yeah, we're right on the um, cusp of the Shawnee National Forest. So that's where our land is. It's uh, and we, we've got a few neighbours, you know, but they're all they're all lovely. Fantastic. Well, it sounds wonderful, and uh, I look forward to us doing another Skype up, maybe uh, later on or next year. Um, who knows? We might come back and go and have a look at Kabbalistics. Or we could have, we could even have some diabolics to talk about, or diabolics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that you're still doing this, Eamon, because uh, I don't know quite, quite what I'd do without my 2018 podcast. Well, that's right. We have to keep the like, you know, like myself and Conrad and Fox. We have to keep the 2018 guys, 2018 podcast going. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. And thank you to Alan. Thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find out more at megacitybookclub.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2080 forums, and on Spotify. And get in touch by emailing me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so that'll do us, Alan. Thanks very much again for coming on and giving up your time. No, that's, that's fine. Thank you. And um, good. stay safe. Stay safe. Uh, stay indoors stay healthy keep reading the prog digitally or if you're lucky enough to get real hard copies and until next time on mega city book club when we're passing judgment on another great book uh, it's a goodbye from me and from illinois Tara.